Hey, history lovers, I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. Lynching is a horrific and shameful part of American history. Though lynching had existed before the Civil War, that violent expression of racism rose to prominence after the fighting ended. And get this, it's still legal. That's right, more than 150 years after the Emancipation Proclamation and decades after the Civil Rights Movement, this horrific act is still technically legal under federal law, despite debate over its lawfulness stretching back to the 1800s. After the end of the Civil War came reunification. After reunification came reconstruction. The era that was supposed to reintegrate the South back into the Union and rebuild the country with an equal place for free African Americans. It didn't happen that way. The backlash in the South was swift and ferocious, and violence became a key tool to reestablishing white supremacy. By 1865, six Confederate veterans in Tennessee had formed what became the Ku Klux Klan. In less than a year, chapters had sprung up across the state before spreading further. According to the Equal Justice Initiative, during the 1868 presidential election, violent attacks in several southern states resulted in hundreds of deaths and prevented black people from casting a single vote in many counties with significant black populations. And lynching became a tool of this terror as Reconstruction gave way to intimidation, segregation, and Jim Crow laws. In the century between 1868 and 1968, more than 4,000 people were lynched. The first efforts to address this lawlessness came in 1870, when President Ulysses S. Grant approved legislation to subdue the actions of white supremacist groups like the KKK. But these laws did not address the violence perpetrated by ordinary white citizens. Lynch mobs killed immigrants, women, and teenagers for a variety of reasons, including defending a black woman, knocking on the door of a white woman's home, and for not calling an Alabama police officer, Mr. And in Congress, one particular group was opposed to passing a law against lynching, Southern Democrats. They used states' rights as an objection to passing any federal law against the practice. To further defend their argument, these states would pass their own laws against lynching. It might seem confusing, but that allowed them to ignore and fail to enforce the prohibition of the hateful act. In 1918, Representative Leonidas Dyer of Missouri introduced a bill to the House that would fine officials who weren't prosecuting lynch mob participants. The bill also would have provided financial relief for families affected. With the help of the NAACP, Dyer's bill passed the House of Representatives and made it through to the Senate floor. And there it died. Southern Democrats filibustered the proposal. 
Senator Lee Slater Overman of North Carolina alleged that the bill was written with the intent to win African-American support for Northern Republicans. He argued that black people in the South were completely protected by the law. They weren't, by the way, but the bill never made it to law. Three times the House passed measures to make lynching a federal offense, and each time Southern senators blocked it. To this day, a federal anti-lynching law has never been approved. In 2005, the Senate formally apologized for its failure to enact anti-lynching legislation. Then-Senator Mary Landrieu, a Democrat from Louisiana, said, There may be no other injustice in history for which the Senate so uniquely bears responsibility. Before the vote, Landrieu introduced the oldest living survivor of a lynching, a man named James Cameron. The um, noose was actually put around uh, Mr. Cameron's uh, neck when he was a young man. Uh, by God's grace and a brave man's voice cried out, he's innocent, and the noose was removed. In 2018, a new bill was proposed in the Senate called the Justice for Victims of Lynching Act of 2018. It would finally have made lynching a federal crime. In December, it passed the Senate unanimously. This time, it is up to the House to decide what happens next. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. This episode was adapted from a story written by Aaron Logan for The Washington Post. For more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod.